Um, who, who, who ran Oceans in 1999? There's somebody here that did Oceans in 1999. Definitely somebody, because I got your car keys, and it says here that you did Oceans in 1999. Who belongs to this? I didn't know kids could have car keys. Okay. Brad, I'll give it back to you. It looks like this. Either nobody wants to own up or... All right. So, um, what I'm going to do this morning, we're coming to the... Uh, we've been going through Hebrews and we're coming to the famous chapter in Hebrews. It's the one chapter in Hebrews that everybody knows something about or have read about or have heard about at some stage or another. And it's chapter 11 and it's all about faith. Uh, that's the, the great uh, chapter that we know so much about. So, Two things that I want us to do this morning. The first one is, when I'm finished preaching, I'm going to ask you what you think God has said to us this morning. Okay, so you, you, that means you're kind of, kind of going to have to listen. <laughs> it's one way of doing it. <laughs> so, so, and and I, when I was praying about the message and just considering uh, when we hear a message, when we get into the portion of God's Word, we're actually saying we want the Lord to speak to us, right? And unfortunately, that's often left up to one person, and that's the person normally preaching. And I thought this morning, but we're actually all the body of Christ, so I'm going to ask you this morning what you think God is saying to us through this particular word. I've got some things that I think God is saying to us through that, um, and, and the application of the word, but, but I, in fact, want to ask you, and just for you to discern, as we go along, what do we feel the Spirit of God is saying to the church? Remember in Revelation, spoke about the fact that the, the Spirit of God is speaking to the church. So that's part of your responsibility this morning. I'll do the preaching. You, you got that part to do. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you is, uh, if any of you can remember where your first, very first step of faith was that you ever took, and I'm talking about beyond getting saved and giving your heart to the Lord, for those of you who've done it. Um, I don't know if you can remember what your very, very first step of faith ever was in your life. My very first step of faith was to go and witness to the people I worked with, and it was a scary thing. Because these guys were all older than me, they, they, they had a different faith to me, uh, the, the generation, they were one of those, like that hardcore generation, you know, don't talk to me unless you've got something decent to say. And, and, and remember, it was my biggest step of faith, because I, I felt God was saying, John, what I've done in your life, I want you to tell other people about it. And so I remember going to work uh, and... Uh, and, and going there and, and getting an opportunity to speak to people in the company that I worked for and ultimately eventually had the opportunity to speak to the MD of the company about my Christian faith. Now, put that into a little bit of perspective. When I said they were of another faith, they were all, it was a Jewish-owned company, uh, some of them very strong in their faith. Uh, and, and I remember just having opportunities to share Jesus with them. And for me, that was my big step of faith. And I, I want to put that out there this morning because sometimes when we think about taking steps of faith, we think of building an ark like Noah. And sometimes a faith, step of faith is just you sharing your faith. That, that's what your step of faith is going to look like. Now, there's something that struck me this morning as I arrived here and we were spending some time in prayer that, that I want to articulate and mention to you this morning before I get into the message, and it's this. Sometimes as Christians, we look at 
this chapter of faith and what people of faith did and say, that doesn't happen anymore. Those are things that God did many years ago, and I think that's something we've got to deal with this morning. The fact that God is the God of the past and not the God of the present. Because God is very much the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we must never read something in the Bible and say, God will not do those things again. The only thing I know that He won't do again is Jesus has died once and for all. It's over and done. He died. He rose from the dead. He's seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and me. That's done and dusted. So as we look at this whole thing uh, of faith, I want us to, to get into that place this morning where we understand that as the writer is writing to Jewish believers that are being persecuted for their faith, there's one thing that's on his heart. Not only that those people would be encouraged, not only that they would live by faith, but that we would live by faith today as well. I mean, what's the point of reading about somebody else's faith? That's like a bedtime story. The whole point of Hebrews, I think, is that God is calling us as a generation to live by faith. It's no good us saying, well, my grandparents lived by faith. I remember somebody telling me the other day their, their grandparents were missionaries. And it's like, so, you know, what does that mean? Well, what are you doing? What am I doing? Where is our faith being expressed? And, and you know, one of the things that I've realized, you can't ask somebody to live by faith for you. You, you can't ask your, you can't say, well, my grandparents lived by faith. And so that's great. But what about you? Or my parents live by faith. Well, I've got a friend that lives by faith. God is saying to us this morning, we need to live by faith. And so when we go through Hebrews chapter 11, you're going to read about a guy by the name of, of Gideon who lived by faith. But the point is, that's great that he did it, but what about you and me? You're going to read about a, a guy that many of you have heard about called Abraham, and God called him to leave his country and his family and his people and to go and live uh, intense for the rest of his life. And you say, wow, that's an amazing step of faith. But what about us today? And I think the one thing that Hebrews 11 is getting at is that you and I are meant to be living by faith today as well. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says this, and we need to go, here we are. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all the people who live by faith, let us. Do you notice there's a we and a us in this? That the writer is talking about, I'm going to tell you about all of what these people have done, but, but we need to be doing something. We need to be living by faith as well. And if my understanding of Hebrews 11 is correct, I think it's God's plan that we live by faith. It's the one thing that pleases God, and it's the one thing that works. Now, if, if you and I are going to live by faith, then there's one very important thing we've got to be able to do, and that is to define faith. What is faith? And, and the reason that I, I, I want us to, to look at what faith is and, and to define faith, because I think as I've been a pastor for many years, there are many Christians that are really confused about what faith is. So look at, look at what Hebrews 11 and verse 1 and 2 says. It says, now faith is being, say that together, sure of. 
Faith is being sure of, and then he goes on to say what we hope for. And that's a bit of a blurry thing because people hope for all kinds of things. And then what does it go? And certain of. Okay, so it's being sure of and certain of. Those are the two key words that we've got over there. Sure of and certain of. And then the, 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 the being sure of is what we hope for, which is a bit blurry. And what we see is also a, a little bit blurry. And you see, people have, and let me share with you what I think when I talk to people, this is what they're saying. People believe that faith is a strong feeling or a conviction we get about what we believe that God is going to do. I'm, I might believe God's going to give me 10,000 rand, and I might be very convicted of it, but I might not get it. But people are saying, well, that's faith. Faith is, is that I have the strong feeling, I have a conviction about what I believe God is going to do. Or, or what about faith being very positive about something that I believe? Or, or what about faith being what I really, really believe that I'm really, really wanting to happen. Those are some of the things people say about faith. It's, it's about this feeling. It's about this deep conviction that I get. And so the writer to the Hebrews actually tells us what it means to have faith so that we can have faith as well. And having faith means this. Listen to it. Being sure and being certain. You all got it? Faith is being sure and being certain. Let's say that together. Faith is being sure and being certain. Now, those are very, very strong words because they mean that there is absolutely no doubt in our minds about what we're hoping for and what we do not see. If you are not absolutely sure about what you're hoping for, if I'm not absolutely certain about what, I'm, what I can't see, then I don't have faith by definition. You see, we've got to go back to what God says. What's the definition God is giving us of faith? And, and, and the only way we can have no doubt about something we hope for is when we have proof that what we are hoping for is actually going to happen. Think about that. The only time you can be absolutely sure of what you're hoping for is going to happen when you've got proof. Are you, are you happy with that? So, so let me give you an example so you can, you can understand this. Some, some years ago, I entered a competition to win a mountain bike. And there was a stage in the competition I was really, really hoping that I'd win the mountain bike. Um, but, you know, one day I was called up by the organizers of the event and they phoned me to say, you've actually won. It was the first competition I've ever won, so I've never forgotten it. Is they said, you've actually won the mountain bike, and then what I was really, really hoping, maybe if it could possibly, suddenly became a deep certainty and assurance, because the people that phoned me, I trusted and believed, and when they told me I had it, I knew, when I went to my wife, I said to her, you know what, I'm the new owner, I'm the proud owner of a new mountain bike. So what, it, what was just hope had become assurance. I, I didn't see it, but I knew it was mine. I, there was one stage I was kind of hoping it would happen, but now I knew it was going to happen. So, so that kind of loose hope, you know, that one day will the Boko win, that kind of hope that we have, fortunately they did. But, 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 but there was a place where that hope became a certainty. So faith is, and I'm going to say this over and over again, faith is being absolutely sure 
and absolutely certain about what we are hoping for, which means by default in Hebrews that we are absolutely sure and we are absolutely confident that God will do what He says He will do. That's what that hoping for is all about. It's not the things that you would like to happen in life. It's hoping at being absolutely sure that what God said He will do, He will do. That's what faith is all about. That, that makes sense to you. Okay. So, and the only way we can be absolutely sure, and we can be absolutely certain that God will do what He says He will do, is when we have proof and evidence that God has done what He said He will do, and that God exists because of what he has done. That makes sense to you. Verse 2, this, this is what the writer says. This is what the ancients were commended for. The people of old, our forebears, our faith forebears, were commended because they were absolutely sure and absolutely certain that what God said he would do, and God did it. Here's the kicker. They lived the way they did because they were absolutely sure of what they believed. You see, what the writer is saying, the test of your faith and the test of my faith isn't what I believe, it's what I do. That make sense to you? If God says something and we fundamentally don't do it, then you've got to say to yourself, either... Either I'm being disobedient or I don't believe it. Would you agree with me? Okay. So that's why we've got in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 6, and I need to read this to you because it's all part of the Hebrew story. The writer says there in chapter 6 verse 16, men swear by somebody greater than themselves. So when we want to prove somebody, oh, Lord, I swear by my mother, I swear by this. That's what the Bible's talking about. And the oath confirms what he said and it puts an end to all argument. But because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We are encouraged because God says, I do not lie, and when I say something, I'm going to honor that. In other words, when what we are hoping for is based on what God has said, only then do we have faith. I want to turn that around because I, I really want us to get hold of that this morning. If we turn that around, when what we are hoping for irrespective of how nice, how good, and how pleasing it sounds, if it's not based on what God has said, that's not faith. It makes sense to you. And the reason I want to share that with you is because I believe we have signed God's name at a whole lot of stuff that He never said. And so people are saying, I'm living by faith, and God has said, and you ask them, where do you find that? And they can't. So 
The important thing when it comes to this definition, we need to be clear in our minds about what God has said because I can only have faith if it's based on what God has said. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek after Him. Remember, the people he's writing to in Hebrews, these are Jewish believers. They're going through some very hard times. I wonder if there's somebody going through a hard time this morning. Don't put up your hand. But these were believers who were being persecuted. They were losing their homes, being thrown into prison. Perhaps families were being broken up. And sometimes we find ourselves like them asking ourselves the question, does faith really work? Look what's happening. Or we ask the question, is God really with me because I don't feel like it anymore? You see, we often find ourselves when we talk about this issue of faith and it's all good when everything's going well. But the moment things start to go badly, then there's that question, well, where's God fitting? Now, why the author of Hebrews goes on to give us so many examples of people who demonstrated they had faith was because he wanted them to be sure that God always honors what he says he will do. That's the whole purpose of Hebrews chapter 11. People demonstrated their faith by what they did because they believed. And there is a monumental amount of proof or evidence that God is faithful to His worth. One of the things that struck me when I was preparing this is that we've often called these people heroes of faith. Have you, have you heard people talking about the heroes of faith? Nowhere in the Bible does it call them heroes of faith. We've called them heroes of faith. And you know what the trouble is with that? We've called them heroes and they're so big in our eyes we say to ourselves, we'll never live like that. And that's why every generation of God's people needs to say, what does faith look like for me? What does faith look like when you are facing financial difficulty? What does faith look like when you've got a, a relative that's just died that you've been praying for? What does faith look like when you're going through really challenging situation? What does faith look like for me when God speaks to me? Every generation has got to ask themselves the question, and here's the question, what's faith look like in this? What's faith look like? What's faith look like? In other words, to understand what faith looks like, I've got to say, what does God say about this? What does God say about this? For example, let me give you a great example of faith that you're all familiar with. When you have a breakdown in a relationship with somebody, and you're angry, and there's unforgiveness because there's been injustice. 
faith looks like this. You and I go and make right with people and forgive them because God said so. That's what faith looks like. Faith isn't just about building ox. Faith is about I believe what God has said in his word and I do it because God has said. That's faith. It's that simple. It's that easy. It's not just for the knowers of this world. It's for the us who are here this morning. So let's look at some of these examples of where faith has been demonstrated. So you remember old Noah. All of you know about Noah. Why did Noah build an ark? Somebody put up your hand and tell me. Shout it out. Yeah. Because? God told. Why did God tell him to? There was going to be a storm. Why was there going to be a storm? He was going to destroy every person on the planet. Noah didn't just build an ark because God told him to. What God told him is, I'm going to destroy the world. That's why you must build an ark. Let me ask you a question. How many of you believe that Jesus is coming again and there's going to be a judgment day? You get the picture. We live the way we do today because God has said something about what he's going to do tomorrow. That's, that's the thing. Look at... There you've got it, the Genesis 6, what God said to Noah. You can read it for yourselves. And isn't it interesting that only Noah and his family got saved because only Noah and his family believed God out of everybody on the planet. All the rest of them laughed at him. All of the rest of them said, what do you want to build this huge boat for in the middle of a place where there's never much rain? What are you crazy in your head? And he said, well, God said, and everybody laughed at him. You know what I've discovered? People are still laughing at believers today. Then you had, uh, remember Abraham. He was another great man of faith. And uh, Abraham does something quite radical. Where's Enika? I saw Enika this morning. Uh, Enika, Enika, there we are. You know, I was thinking about you because God said to Abraham, leave your family and leave your people. And go to a land that I... And I was thinking about you, you left your people and you come here to South Africa, away from your people. And that's faith. Because he believed God had said to him, I want you to pack up and go. And for the rest of his life, Abraham lived in tents. And for those of you who know anything about the city in which he stayed, it was called the Ur of the Chaldees. I've always remembered like this when somebody said to me, where does Abraham come from? I said, uh... And then you got it. Okay, you'll never forget that one. All right, but, but look at what God says to him. Leave your country, leave your people and your father's household, and go to the land, I will show. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you'll be a blessing. Imagine what people said to him when he said, why in the world would you want to leave your nice home? Why do you want to leave your family? Why do you want to leave your friends behind? Are you, have you lost it? Have you lost the plot? And he's simply saying, because God said so. And I believe God and I trust God will do what he said he's going to do. Therefore, I'm going. Guys, it's still the same today. Moses leads a whole nation out of Egypt just because he believed God would do what he said he would do. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. I, um, 
I had, uh, we, the, uh, we previously lived in, in East London. I was pastoring a church in East London. I'll never forget the day there was a plastic surgeon. He was sort of the top plastic surgeon uh, in East London at the time. And he, he, came to, uh, he came to see me. I happened to be uh, his pastor at, the, at that particular time. And he said, John, God has spoken to me. And I feel I need to sell up everything. I need to sell my practice in a very nice house on the river, said, I need to sell that. I need to sell everything that I've got. And I believe that I need to go and do two things. One is I need to go and work on the mercy ship as a plastic surgeon for the rest of my days. And secondly, I need to go and, I need to go and develop a ministry in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, which would be a ministry that reaches out into the red light district. And he sold up everything he had. And I know Christian said to him, have you lost the plot? You can serve God in the city. You can serve God right where you are. But he said, God spoke to me about doing something else. And I need to go because I believe when God says something, he means what he says and you'll be faithful to that. And he sold all up. Quite a challenging story. I mean, I found it quite hard to swallow. And I was the pastor. I'll tell you why it's hard. I found it hard to swallow because my thought was, and what would I do if God said that to me? What about the other guys that's spoken about? Gideon. Gideon went to war against an army 600 times stronger than his army of 300. And he beat them because God said, what about Joshua, who conquers Jericho because God said? Uh, or what about the woman the Bible speaks about in Hebrews 11, who saw their dead raised to life because God said? And then what about all the others? Because we all want a success story when it comes to faith, don't we? It's like God's going to do it. But let me read to you what it said about some of them. They withstood torture, and they wouldn't give in because they believed. What, what about, uh, they lived in caves in the ground. They, they lived with sheepskins. They were destitute. And I say that to you today because every faith story I hear is about all the blessings that are going to come out of it. I want to tell you, there's some people that lived the way they did because they believed there's a better country and there's a better city and there's a better place. And I might have to suffer and be persecuted for following Jesus now, but I'm holding on because God will do what he said he will do. And I'd rather give up something here because of what lies ahead of me than throw in the towel over here. We're called to live by faith in the day that we live. And maybe God is saying to you, or to us as a church, we need to stand up to the giants of our day like David stood up against the giant in his day. What are the giants that God's calling us to stand up against? Like these unnamed people who, who were obedient, we refuse to give in to the pressure of our culture and our friends and the people around about us, even if it costs us. Or maybe like Abraham, to be obedient to God when he tells us to go 
somewhere we've never been before. These people all had faith in God. Every one of them. Now here's the important part of what I want to say. And when it was difficult, and when things got hard, they kept on having faith because they kept on believing the bigger promise. These were not perfect people. None of them were perfect. I mean, Rahab lied. Moses, I'm not Moses, Abraham lied about his wife and she ended up in, in some guy's harem. I mean, though, though these were David, did his number. Seriously. But they still lived by faith. They believed God. And I think the battle that you and I will face today is always going to be about what we believe and who we believe. And will we fall into the trap that God doesn't do this stuff anymore? Or that we believe God is the same yesterday and today and forever and He's still trustworthy? You see, faith is not complicated. You know, I know that. Because one day Jesus took some little children and he said, if you've got faith like them, then you've got, that's what I'm talking about. See, even children can have faith. Why? Because faith is just believing God. That's all it is. Faith is just believing God. Now, there's one thing that every one of us is not going to receive in this lifetime by having faith. Do you know that? The one thing that you and I will never have in this lifetime is that the best is yet to come. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Look at verse 39 of Hebrews 11. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. But, but Lord, they did. No, no, no. They were looking for something bigger than just that. God planned something better for us so that only together with us could they be made perfect. In other words, Every single one of these people we've been reading about are waiting for a day when Jesus comes again and we will be like him and together we're going to enjoy God's reward. Hey, that's like lekker stuff. You guys should be rejoicing a bit more. That's why it says they were stoned. Hebrews 11.37, sword in two, put to death by the sword, went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated, and the world was not worthy of them. Those were people living by faith. Now, I'm nearly finished, which I'm quite proud of. But there are three practical things I want to leave you with this morning. If we're going to live by faith today, and I think that's what Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 talks about. The first one is this. Deal with the stuff that keeps holding you back. Deal with the stuff that keeps holding us back. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is what he means. Look at all the proof that God's been faithful. Person after person after person testifies to the faithfulness of God. Not what they've done, but that God was faithful to His Word. Let us throw off 
everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles. And the question I want to ask you this morning, what stops you? And what stops me? Living the way that God wants us to live. Now you might say that sounds very loose. Let me make it a little bit more practical. When Jesus said, if anybody wants to follow after me, what must they do? And? And follow. He said, if somebody doesn't hate their mother or father, you can't follow me. Guys, that's what I'm talking about this morning. The stuff that hinders us living a sacrificial, radical lifestyle for Christ. That's what he's talking about. We can't be consumers anymore. We can't stop coming to church and saying, I want, I want, I want. Because God has said, I don't want that kind of Christianity. Jesus is saying, I want people who are plugged into me, full of the Holy Spirit, living a vibrant life, so that when they come to church, something happens here because you've been with Jesus. That's what I think he means. The sin that so easily entangles is anything that stops me being obedient to God. With my money, my time, my efforts, my talents, whatever it is. If I'm not being obedient, then there's a sin that's got hold of me. Isn't sin disobedience? It was when I last time looked last time. What are the things that hinder us? The pressure of people. The fear of man. All of those kinds of things. You know, that's why people got sawed in half. They got sawed in half because they said, I will follow Jesus like that. I will take up my cross. I will be that kind of person. Now look at the church the early church in the book of Acts, I see sacrificial people. I see joyful people. I see committed people. I see people that were not deterred from following Jesus. I think it must have been quite hard for Abraham to believe God when he said, I'll give you a child. And then he got to about 99. He said, now I know that's impossible. Here's the thing I want you to remember. When God says it, he will do it. That's, faith has got nothing to do with your age. Faith has got nothing to do with how you're feeling. Faith has got everything to do with what God has said he will do because he is faithful. And if you want to check it up, read the whole Bible. Seriously. So there are things that we are called to do today. What are the things that stop John? What is the sin that so easily entangles my life? What stops me living that kind of, I'm, it's sad that I have to say it, radical kind of Christianity. The second thing is, keep trusting God when you don't feel like it anymore. It says, run with perseverance. Now, we are a very feely generation. I cannot tell you. I haven't got enough 
toes and fingers to tell you the number of times people have said to me, I feel. Faith has got absolutely nothing to do with what you feel. It's got everything to do with what God says. And so there are people that are sitting here today who are walking with God because they pushed through when they felt like giving up. Some of you know what I mean. There are people who've been tempted to throw in the towel, discouraged sometimes, but they pushed through because they believed in Him who is faithful. I think that's what God is saying to us as a generation. There will be times like this for all of us. Let me promise you something. You will doubt. You will fear. You will worry. And here's the... Here's God's answer. Push through. Push through. Push through. Keep the faith. Resist the devil. Deal with your desires, but push through. And the last is this. Stay focused on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. It's interesting that even though we've got so many examples of faith in the Bible, it doesn't say remember Abraham. It says focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus, not your pastor. Focus on Jesus, not on your friend who's a great person of faith. Focus on Jesus, not on some great miracle worker that you know about and love to listen to. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate model of faith. Jesus is the one who said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. That's the model of faith. That's the person we should be listening to. But there is another reason to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because he's the author and he's the finisher of our salvation. The only reason you and I will be saved is because of what he has done. It'll be because of what he is doing. And finally, what he will do one day. That's why I fix my eyes on Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'm done. Okay, now your turn. That's the part I've been looking forward to through the whole sermon. So, and this may be different for, for you, for some of you. But what is the sense that you've had this morning of what God has been saying maybe to you? Or maybe to us. If the Holy Spirit has been at work, if he hasn't, then you won't have anything to say. If he has, you will. What is your sense of what God has been saying to us this morning as a church? Okay. Step out of the boat. Okay. That's a good Christian phrase. It sounds quite scary to me. Give. Stand up. Say it nice and loudly. Okay. So God just reminding you of something he said to you before. Okay, cool. Okay, confirmation, that's the way to go. All right.
So I think we can get people's wallets saved this morning. Maybe a good, <laughs> good thing to do. I think that's true. Yep. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you. It's true. Good. Awesome. Lovely. Okay, somebody there. Okay. That's right. Remember, Paul wrote from a prison and he said, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. So that's kind of a little different to this place. Yep. Thank you. All right. By my spirit. Yes, Brad. Okay, cool, Shirley. About 15 years ago, we spoke to you about the second saint, uh -huh. and that the second saint came from um, Hebrews as well. You know, so the sin that so easily handled us, and mm. how easy it is for us to enter and accept you know, and it was in fact, at that time, we were thinking it was about ego and opinion. Okay. And I think that has been elevated much more in this generation. Mm. Surrender, and that's with Sharon's picture here with the chair. All right, John. For me, a bit that, that then the question came up mm. very quickly was how well do we hear? Because there is the word of God, which is said and which is mm. true, but there's also hearing for today. Yep. And when that statement spoke about, and we spoke through it myself, how well do we really hear? Mm. And how do we truly know if God's speaking? Yep. Because mm. if you're going to take that step, mm. Yeah. You, you look for some confirmation. So for me, the biggest thing about that is how well do we hear? Yeah. I think we need a cool message on and a discuss about how do we know when God has spoken. Yes. 
Because even people are saying God has spoken, and then when you put it to the test, something weird happens. Yep. Yeah, 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 also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and let's be honest, and I think I've said it, might have said it here before, our big challenge is, is that we have daily truth encounters because the enemy is a liar. It comes with deception all the time. And the, and the problem is if we're a biblically illiterate generation, how do you know what truth is if you don't know what God says. So there's kind of, and I, you might have picked this up, but I've certainly picked it up all over the world. There's a pushback for God's people to get back in the Word again. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Shirley. 
I, I think we've been, um, as a leadership, we've been um, meeting and praying and just trying to hear God for this congregation because we really want to be obedient to what the Lord is saying. One of the things that's really been coming out very clearly is to build community like we've never known before. Uh, I think this is the word that's just coming through of, of having extraordinary trust, deep love for one another, a sense of belonging and a real sense of communion. It's one of the almost foundations, if you think about it, of the faith is how strong, we, how well we love one another and how strong our love is. And love's got to navigate some, some very funny things, you know. Let's be very honest with that. It's easy to love somebody when they're very cool and nice, but uh, it doesn't always work like that. So those are some of the things that we're sensing, and we, we'll sort of share that with you once we've, once we've finalized and put that together. But we really have a sense that God is speaking to this congregation here um, and to this group of people in Musenberg. We want to be obedient to that and push into that. And there will be actions that follow that because we can't say we have faith and no action. James said something about that being dead. So we want to try and stay alive. But yeah, just very excited. I think um, God is calling his church uh, into a new space in these days. Um, and I'm really excited about what God is saying to his church. I think there's, a, there's almost a shift that's beginning to take uh, within the church again. So thank you for your participation. Um, next time you get to preach and I'll tell you what the Lord says. Okay. <laughs> so all right, let's pray. Inika, could you come and pray for us? Would you mind?